0: in the way that I wanted, I wanted my son to never experience that. So that was one of the things that I took from my dad and go, I never want my son to to go dad's home, make yourself as small as possible until he's chill. You know, I never wanted my son to experience a fear of me. Uh, I, I think that I think that a lot of us confuse fear with respect. Uh, I think a lot of us confuse uh, uh, obedience with respect, and uh, and I wasn't I wasn't as concerned with my son obeying me, and I wasn't as concerned with my son uh, respecting me. Whatever that whatever I believed in my grumpy moment, that looked like, uh, like knowing that he always encountered the same human being was important to me.
1: Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. We are rolling in season two, having unbelievable conversations with men, There has been a lady that got stuck in there. I'm sure you appreciated that conversation too, but I have had such a wonderful time and have been learning so much from the guys that I've been talking to digging into this idea of manhood and how we deal with emotion and what does it mean to be afraid as a man and shame and the experiences of our past and how those project into the life that we're living now as husbands and as parents as business leaders as community members and friends there's just so many things there so When I was given the opportunity to talk to the guest that I have on today, you're looking at him already, you're going to hear him in just a second, I was really pumped because I've known his partner for quite a while. Uh, We have had a business relationship. I have deeply enjoyed getting to know her, really love what she's doing, what she's about. And every single time that she was talking about Dave, I was just getting more excited about the opportunity to talk to him. So Dave and I have had uh, a three minute handshake of a conversation previous to this. And that's it. Like this is going to be our first time in extended conversation, but I'm excited for that. So why don't you welcome Dave Gieselman the Authentic Conversations podcast. I got his name right. And so I think I'm already off to a pretty good start. So what's up, dude?
0: Uh not much. I'm happy to be here, man. I'm really excited.
1: Uh Amy's told me so many cool
0: things about you. And yeah, I was hoping to I was hoping to connect when we were in the, the same place uh a couple months ago. It didn't happen, but this is a, a really cool way to start a conversation.
1: Yeah, I just I, we might also well just go live for everyone else to listen to what we're gonna talk about, right?
0: I'm into it. Well, and, and what a what a better What better way to talk about manhood? What a better way to talk about masculinity than to to kick it. Like, you don't know much about me. I don't know much about you. And what a better way to to watch two evolved men like have this conversation and and who knows where we're going to not see eye to eye and get to watch how we respond to that when when we don't.
1: Yeah. No, I I, I love it. I I think it's, I think it's so good. Okay. So uh, before we get into all things about you, one of the things that I have liked to ask uh, most of the guests uh, in this season is uh, how would you define manhood? Like what does manhood mean to you?
0: Oh, you know what? It's a, what a, what a cool question. What a cool uh, (laughs) way to, uh, cool question. So for me, manhood really is about how I live into my own understanding of my masculinity, hmm. um, meaning, uh, and 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 I want to I'm going to uh, throw out a, 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 a huge you know kind of disclaimer here. Like I am a, I am, a, I am a, a cis straight white man, and that is the only experience that I have. And what I don't want to do more than anything is uh, discount anybody else's experience of being of, of being man or feeling masculine or feeling male or anything else. so so this is this is my experience, and I honor like all experiences of masculinity. Um, and so it's really important that, that that I come out and say that. Um, so for for me, as a uh, my my understanding of 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 masculinity, of 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 manhood, is, is a, as a, as a leader and a teacher, Um, you know, we get into, we get into uh, a a lot of cultural kind of situations where we're we're supposed to be protectors and we're supposed to be, you know, you know, providers and we're supposed to be uh, a lot of these different things that sort of our culture has, has pivoted away from. And men are in an interesting time right now. Uh, When, for for a lot of us, our partners are are the the majority breadwinner, and so how do we show up in our masculine, in our 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 manhood when sort of the old typical uh, um, like like points like the, the the check boxes of what of what manhood is supposed to look like. are are no longer present for for me uh, to provide consistency, to provide emotional safety and to provide a a space in which my my children and my partner can continue to evolve and can continue to fail safely is is what I believe. I describe that as a as a parent, our parent, our job as a parent is to provide an ever widening perimeter around our children, which they can fail safely. And I think that that it's kind of the best definition of, of manhood as well, uh, to provide an ever widening perimeter around our family, our partners, our friends, our brothers, our sisters, in which they are safe to explore whoever they are around us.
1: That's yeah, good. No, it's good. And it's so interesting, because, you know, uh, when when I talk about Manhood specifically, and people have heard me say this so many times now. So I talk about being a provider and a protector, but I do that. Um, in my my definition of those terms uh, is quite different in a lot of sense than what many would say. So particularly, and because uh, you went to the, uh, to the provider side of things, I think it's so important. And I really liked what you said, you know, for, for too long um, it, there was this overemphasis uh, that a provider meant I was the financial provider. I was the breadwinner for the household and, you know, things like Mr. Mom and Tom Hanks were, were knocked and, or mocked. And, um, you know, it was just, it, 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 it was, it was just very um, distorted uh, because it was very narrow. And what I really see today is is this opportunity or this idea of providing is far greater than that. Like money is such a, a small component to what we can contribute. And we would agree with that in every other area, but all of a sudden when it comes to manhood, it's like provider means I'm the one that makes most of the money. It's like well, as a matter of fact, I see you having a greater opportunity to provide your time to the people that care the most about you and that you care the most about, but we almost discount that. And so mm. there's just so much of an And I like that you said, you know, you're providing this space for people to fail. Like, I love that. And I think those are things that have just been uh, forgotten about or destroyed or never even considered because society has been so narrow-minded around what it means to be a man.
0: Right. And so what do we provide? You know, when we talk about those old those old things, you know, initially, you know, the provider put put food on the table mm. because they hunted it. Right. Then they put food on the table because they purchased it. And, and so we, we look at, at what providing has meant and we no longer need to put food on the table. There's food on the table. Right. <laughs> like uh, in the poorest among us, there's food on the table. Yep. Right. And and not to say that there isn't, you know, food poverty and 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 that stuff doesn't exist. But for the overwhelming majority of us, there's food on the table. Yeah. And so what and getting to have the conversation about what providing means, like what is it? What is it we are providing? And when we put food on the table, we were providing uh, the ability for our families to grow. We are providing the ability to for our children to, to be well-nourished, to be, to be healthy. We're providing the ability for our, our partners to be healthy. And I think that's still the job Yeah, we've taken, we've, we've, we've taken, you know, food and shelter off of those, off of those lists because they really kind of no longer apply, mm. but to recognize oneself as a provider and go, okay, so absent food and shelter. I mean, yes, I, you know, I, 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 I do my part around the house and, and and everything else but absent absent financial or uh financial uh support what is it that that a provider provides mm. when that is no longer the when that's no longer like the 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 hallmark of what a provider is? yeah,
1: that's good. that's so good. okay so so tell me a little bit about uh, I, I'm interested to hear kind of your experience growing up and how, you know, how you were led, uh, as a boy, a young man into adulthood, where you started to capture some of these ideas for what has shaped your vision for your role in society today and your role in the context of, uh, even your own family.
0: Mm. So, uh, like I, I I came from a a, a middle class white family in a suburb. Uh, we grew up in you know right near Pasadena. Uh, and my father uh, is probably the greatest man that I've ever met. He had a a greater capacity uh, for love and expression and understanding uh, than than any man I've ever met. Uh, he, my father flawed as he was, uh, was a, uh, was an absolute, was an absolute like perfect, uh, example of what, of what masculinity was, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, in, 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 in the best of his flawed ways, loved my flawed mom, right. Uh, they were high school sweethearts, um, And and we're uh, about to celebrate 50, 50 years of marriage uh, when he unexpectedly passed a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was growing up. You know, we he was handy around the house and he provided like just a sense of consistency. He was nothing if not consistent. I didn't always like what he was consistent about. (laughs) (laughs) But you could count on it. And I think if there's one thing that that I have taken from him, uh, because there are a few things that as I grew, I decided that I wasn't I wasn't on board with. Um, But if there's one thing I've taken from him, it was that consistency. It was the one thing I I made sure to give to my son, who just turned 18 a few days ago. Wow. uh, Was that if it comes out of your father's mouth, you can take it to the bank, Mm. whether that's good information or bad information. You know, if it if it's something good, if I told you, if I told you it's going to happen, it's going to happen whether you want it to happen or not, right? And and that's the 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 one thing that I've I've always given my son, because I'm flawed, you know, and 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 I've I've stumbled through my own life in in the best way that 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 I can, Mm -hmm. and the one thing that has always been important to me is that if it comes out of your father's mouth, it's written in stone, like it is, like it is the truth it is the truth and it, and it, and, 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 unless, unless, you know, the situation changes, then it it's, it's not, it's not subject to, to
1: negotiation or change. How, how have you, how have you been able to keep yourself on guardrails with that? Because, or uh, yeah, because I, I feel like, Uh, and and I hear you saying, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, I am a flawed human being. Um, like how, because I have a 19 year old and a 12 year old, two daughters (laughs) and you know, it's easy to, uh, to want to, um, Uh, just put some pain on them for some of the, you know, for, for some of the things that happen, you know, you get really frustrated and you, you know, you just, you want to put something on them that maybe you shouldn't, but you do because, you know, it's in the moment or maybe they catch you at a bad time. And so you react in a way that you shouldn't. So how are you trying to, uh, or how are you staying as consistent as possible in upholding that standard? Because it's a pretty high standard to hold to. Uh, which is my word is gold. Uh, mm. i I'm, you know, I mean, obviously, I, right. I, 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 tighten that up a bit. But <laughs> mm. so, how, how have you done that?
0: You know, it's been a, it, it's been a, it's been a tricky. You know, and and it's, you know, it's been I've done it imperfectly uh i i've <laughs> you know i i've i've done it to the best of my ability and what what that means is that you know i've said a lot of things in anger in my life yeah. i've never said anything in anger that i didn't mean right like you get so angry that the 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 filter comes down yeah. and so being able to be consistently uh, clear about my thoughts and about my intentions around how I want to raise my son, my journey of of, of self presence began long before my my son arrived. Mm. Um, and knowing very clearly how I wanted, like what I wanted, my son's experience of me to be, mm. uh, it was was very clear. And I I never you know, my, my dad, you know, my dad worked 60 hours a week, 50 weeks a year. He came home, he was grumpy. He had four kids and he came through the door and he was, he was a, he was a grumpy, he's a, He's a boomer, man. And you know, and he came home grumpy. He worked at a job that sometimes he liked and sometimes he didn't. You know, he worked for NASA for 50 years, you know, and did some really incredible things, but he came home grumpy sometimes and 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 said some things and, and wasn't available to me and or and or my brothers or sister in the way that I wanted. I wanted my son to never experience that. So that was one of the things that I took from my dad and go, I never want my son to. To go, dad's home, make yourself as small as possible until he's chill. You know, I never wanted my son to experience a fear of me. Uh, I I think that I think that a lot of us confuse fear with respect. Uh, I think a lot of us confuse uh, uh, obedience with respect. And uh, and I wasn't I wasn't as concerned with my son obeying me. And I wasn't as concerned with my son, uh, respecting me, whatever that, whatever I believed in my grumpy moment that looked like, uh, like knowing that he always encountered the same human being was important to me in a a life Prior to this one, I was a liar. I mean, I've been, I've been, I'll say this. I've been sober for 20, 22 years. I was wow. a homeless drug addict on the streets of Los Angeles. Uh, I got sober at 24. Um, and, and so, and yeah, and so, and, and my son didn't come into my life until I was 29. Uh, and so, and so I, I had, I had five years to really go, how do I want to show up in this world? Like, what do I want it to look like for my, for my partner, for my, for my, my children. And, and my, my first wife had a a 13 year old daughter when I came into her life. And, and so I got to, I got to kind of stepdad for a little bit and, and, and play out how, how I wanted to show up in her life.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and I heard so much there that I want to, uh, I, I, I want to dig into, but I, I think because the one that now stands out to me so much is, so you uh, clearly had an extremely difficult uh, season of life, uh, living on the streets, being addicted to drugs. Um, so I guess two questions are: um, so what? What was it that provoked you to change? And two is: is what did that path? to to self discovery post sobriety or i should say post addiction uh, what what did that look like for you
0: uh, the change brother i don't i i'm very clear about 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 your beliefs uh, they're, they're 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 on display for all to see and I, and I and i love it i was raised in the baptist church and my parents and were you ministers don't have when to, I was you growing don't up. Have
1: to, you don't have to filter anything, right? This, right. Like, this is where, like, we're having conversation,
0: right? So, I don't know who God is or where God is or, or what book you're supposed to find Him in. My I know the God that I was raised with, mm. and 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 that that God became problematic for me at a young age. Um, just a, a just a, a quick a, a peek into that world. Uh, I had these wonderful uh, Chinese neighbors. They were Buddhists. And I asked my Sunday school teacher when I was about 11, if my Buddhists, if I would see my Buddhist uh, n- neighbors in heaven. And he said, no, the God has a lake of fire waiting for your beautiful Buddhist neighbors. And okay. and my only response in that moment was I, I, I doubt it. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't think that's the truth. And and then went on my own journey with God. And so at that point, and so I will say this, I was living on the streets. I was homeless. I was, I was uh, drug addicted. I was alcoholic and I don't know who God is or where God is or where you're supposed to find him, but something took pity on a dying 24 year old put me where I needed to be. And I don't think, I don't think whatever it was was as concerned about me as it was. It was sick and tired of watching me hurt his kids. Mm. And I got placed, uh, I got tricked into 12-step recovery on the promise of free donuts. Like they didn't lead with God, they didn't lead with sobriety, they didn't lead with anything. They said, we got free donuts in here. You wanna come in? And I said, Well, what's that? And they said, It's a, it's a 12-step meeting. I said, What's that? And they go, Yeah, man, don't even worry about that. Why don't you come on in here? We got some free donuts and you can sit down and just be be here and be cool. And these people were kind. I was smelly. I was I was completely drunk. Uh, I was my life was out of control uh, and they were just kind to me. That moment informed every single moment moving forward. I found myself in in the selfless, like and not even generous, but the the, like the the abundant service to others, like the like like abodanza of service to others. You know, like I I found who I was and I was a professional chef for a long, long time Um, and finding myself in service to others. I have, you know, it's, it's what transitioned me into, into coaching. It's what trans- transitioned me. And I have walked hundreds of men and women through the process of, of, of addiction recovery and, and found, and just, and found that that I was my, my truest, my happiest, my most authentic self uh, when I was actively giving when I was actively selfless when I was when when the answer was yes no matter what the question was and I found who I wanted to be in that
1: buddy that's a I I mean that right there kind of kind of puts it all together for me and I can understand why Amy speaks the way that she does about you and um, you know, why she wanted us to have this conversation and, and I think why it's so important. And I know there's a lot more to the story than that, but I think what's so phenomenal is that at your worst, somebody was willing to take a shot on you. And, you know, even just in the context of homelessness, you know, it, I've I have not personally been there, but have walked through that with people, and it's tiring. Um, it, it is a lot of times a very fruitless and thankless uh, act of service because it, it it can just be a revolving door of the same thing over and over again, and and yet for whatever reason, you know, it, it it was an unbelievable gift to you, which now you have become a gift to so many other people, and I just think that it's such a lesson for us now, today, uh, in the midst of so much chaos, so much fighting, so much disagreement, which we can disagree and we can fight and at times. And, and yet, we should never stop seeing people as human beings and should never stop seeing the opportunity that we have to potentially affect the rest of somebody's life. And so I just think that that is just such a beautiful testament to somebody being willing to do that. Um, and, you know, now, obviously, to see, you know, what's come of that for you. So, As you, so by the way, thank you for sharing that. I think that's just amazing. And so as you have learned from that process, that act of uh, somebody else giving to you, um, you leaning into who you truly are, and beginning to shape your identity as a human being, as a man, and probably in ways that you had never seen before. Right? It, it, it sometimes takes scraping the very bottom uh, for us to truly get what that is. And so, what 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 do you feel like really changed for you in terms of perspective? on life because you um, uh, self-admitted grew up though it wasn't perfect in a you know in in a in a good family in white suburban America there just wasn't a lot of a general pain inflicted on you you know and and I get that like that that was that was uh, I had a little bit of a different uh, upbringing but similar in, in certain respects and and so you didn't see it then um, you found yourself in a really bad place, and then all of a sudden you awaken to the other side. And so, what, what changes as you begin taking step after step post addiction, um, as you engage into relationships again and business and things like that?
0: Mm. Uh, I think that the the two the two most kind of powerful factors are are compassion. Right and 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 compassion is is and, and empathy. you're right? you know empathy is being able to to kind of put yourself in, in somebody's shoes, and you know and 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 it's not sympathy, it's not, "I feel sorry for you," but empathy is is I can see, I can see where that would be difficult, you know. And compassion shows up when we can't see that. Compassion mm. shows up when I have no idea what your experience like. I I have no context for that experience. I like there's nothing in my life that 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 would even that, that I could draw on to experience empathy. And so I what I have is compassion. You know what I what I have is uh you know one of the one of the things that that I work with very strongly is if if I don't believe that absolutely everybody is doing the best they can with what they have in this moment, because we're all, we're all, what we possess in any given moment is different, right? What we, the tools we have to work with in any given moment changes from moment to moment. But if I don't believe that absolutely everyone is doing the best they can with what they have in this moment, then I'm not doing the best I can with what I have in this moment. And treating people, regardless of what my opinion of them is, right? I have, I have, you know, judgments and opinions about all kinds of people that, that that may or may not reflect the truth, that may or may not reflect reality, that may or may, you know, may or may not be flattering to me. If it was, if if they were, you know, put on a, a broadcast on a screen in front of me, like these are my beliefs, Ugh. you know. But to be able to treat somebody kindly. Mm. regardless, you know, and, and the, the dehumanization of homelessness, the isolation of homelessness, the isolation of, of addiction. Um, you know, the, 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 the one fear that we're all born with that that every single mammal is born with is, is abandonment, right? Because abandonment from mammal is tantamount to death. Like, and, and, and it's, it's in our DNA, Mm. right? And, and to feel like we are, uh, to feel like we are, uh, we are separated from our fellows. We're separated from care. We're separated from love. We're separated from from our brothers, our sisters, uh, whatever God you believe in. And to feel so separated from that, I never want like anyone to feel that way. And so, as a as a man, my job to every human I encounter is you are safe here in my presence. You are safe. You are safe from me. You are safe from the outside in my presence. You are safe. And that informs everything moving forward.
1: So powerful. And, and, and I love that, um, you know, in the, 15 episodes or so far this season in the 150 some odd that I've done now at this point, I don't think that I've ever really talked about compassion to that degree. Um, Again, I think that we're all going to have a slight maybe difference of opinion on how that works itself out. But what I really appreciate about you, Dave, is there's such a consistency in in your belief and then in and how you act as the result of that. And I'm with you. I mean, I feel like there is such an opportunity for us um, to humanize the dehumanized and clearly there are uh, groups of people and classes of people that have uh, that have been dehumanized far longer than others and in much more extreme ways. But it even brings just to the relevance of today, because some people are going to hear this and say to themselves, well, I, I don't I don't have that kind of experience you know, that's not around me or whatever. And, and I feel like, you know, bringing it to some to a very simple topic of, you know, the political landscape of today, and I think it is so easy to even though we would never ascribe it to this, to dehumanize our fellow brothers and sisters as the result of a difference of political opinion or mm-hmm. political tribalism. And, and again, we wouldn't say that, but it's the way that we act, right? We we would, we would project things onto them either by things that we say or things that we do uh, treating them as less than a full human being because they think differently than we do. Mm -hmm. And, and again, as men and going back to what you were talking about earlier in, in being a leader, you know, this is our opportunity to stand up and use the voice that we have been given to use the identity that has been given to us and to, lead in a way that's going to create positive change in this world instead of just sitting back and watching things crumble and sometimes in the toxicity of manhood and masculinity piling on that dehumanization for the sake of being part of the stronger tribe Mm -hmm. right
0: one of the things and this was about probably 16 16 years ago now there was a moment in my life Uh, and I, and I don't even remember the catalyst for it, but there was a moment in my life where I decided that I would never again participate, you know, that like, like the running verbal battle that men have with other men, you know, that, that running, you know, cutting each other down, like there's always like, like throwing darts at each other, you know, And, and they go, well, that's, that's just how guys, that's just how guys, I decided that never, Ne- I would never tear down one of my brothers ever again. Never. It would never. You will never hear me tear one of my brothers down. Like, like not in jest, not, not just taking the piss out of them. Like whatever the, the dumb things that we do. Uh, Amy, Amy laughs at me because I will compliment a man like in a millisecond, like look at this handsome guy coming down, you know, coming down the street. Like I call my brothers handsome, and I do it. I do it loudly. I do it. You know, I I I, I hug them. I, you know, I praise them. I talk about how how great they are as, as as fathers and as and as my brothers and and what they do in their their lives. I will never cut another man down, and that in terms of you know you, you mentioned you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the toxic masculinity. And that's a, that's a, that's a whole, that's a, that's a great conversation that the, 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 the needs to be had uh, on, on, on both sides. Cause I, I I've heard, I've heard lots of conversations about, and I've taken part in lots of conversations about, you know, this, this, you know, concept of toxic masculinity. And I think it's a great conversation, but I think when we begin with, I will never, tear down my brothers. And what happens when I stop tearing down my brothers, I stop tearing down my sisters. When I stop tearing down my brothers, they stop tearing down their brothers, Mm. you know, and they stop tearing down their sisters and we stop. It's not a pie, right? There's, there's enough love. There's enough abundance. There's enough joy. There's enough, you know, whatever, there's enough sex, there's enough money, there's enough whatever, whatever it is that, that, that you are 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 focused on. It's not a pie. There's enough. And and when we can when we can share with each other and go, brother, we we're, we're not in competition. You know, I'm not in competition with you, not for women, not for money, not for business, not for not for clients, not for like we are not in competition for anything we get to be brothers
1: again. Bringing the fire, man. I mean, again, whoever's listening to this right now needs to rewind about seven minutes and go back and listen to that whole thing again, because we see this play itself out all the time, right? The, the destruction of one another for the sake of fun. Um, And we've probably everybody at one point or another has been on the receiving end of that. And we recognize just how destructive that is. And then what's worse is, is uh, because we think we're tough men, uh, we don't express our feelings around how hurt we've been by another man. And so then we do one of two things. We either continue to harbor that that will end up internally eating at us and just destroy us from the inside out, or, and I don't even know which one is worse or we lash out in anger and rage and hatred, which is the, the kind of the, the, the negative side of the fight or flight that kicks in. And then we end up harming other people as a result of us being harmed. And so it is so destructive. And as much as I want to, be on the side of the guys that are being hurt and to educate them and encourage them to deal with those things. And I do, I think what you're saying is the place that it starts, which is like be man enough to shut your freaking mouth and, and and to stop participating in that garbage because it's, it's not helping anybody. And as a matter, matter of fact, it's destroying everybody, including you.
0: Right. Because where's the, where's the first thing we go with it? Where's the first, like when, 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 when guys are, are are doing that back and forth, what's the first thing we do is we're going to, we're going to feminize a man, right? We're going to, we're going to remove his masculinity from it. Mm. Right. And, and, and so my first question is, so if I remove your masculinity, you're less, is that, is that because femininity is less Is, is femininity less than me? Right. And so I need to look at the deep beliefs of 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 what I'm actually doing. Like, what are what are my true beliefs when I think that that if I want to hurt a man, I remove mask, you know, I I, mm-hmm. I cut off a slice of his masculinity. You're you're less of a man than me. You're you're, you're more feminine. We we, we feminize men. And, and that's how we how we hurt them as, as though there was something wrong with with the feminine, as though there was something wrong with with men who were less masculine, as though there was something wrong with with women, as though there was something wrong with being gay, as though there was something wrong with all of these things. Right? And we 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 do it because we go. I need to I need to protect everything that I view myself as, and I need to put this on a pedestal because if it's because if I don't, I'm going to find out that there's a piece of me that's worth less. Right. I'm going to find out that I'm carrying something that makes me unlovable. And I have to be bigger. I have to be stronger. I have to be the idealized version of what it is to be a man. And if I and if I can't, then what I need to do is I need to start chipping away at you.
1: Yeah, it's good. Well, and, you know, I I, I say it a little bit differently, but I think that we're, we're we're saying, you know, fairly the same thing, which is, my my struggle is while I definitely believe there are there is a set of characteristics that uh and, and traits that is uh uh it, it defines a male defines a female or would, or, or would make up more of that. What I say too, is, is, you know, a lot of times, especially when we're talking about when you were talking about being compassionate, right? Like that's a perfect one. So some people would be like, man, like women are compassionate. Like guys don't go there. And so it's like, are, are you expressing your feminine side there? And I say, okay, maybe, or maybe the other side of it is we have ill-defined what it means to be a man, right? Because what if men are supposed to, and, and not what if, like I will come out and say, men should be compassionate too. And we may express that differently, but we should, we should be empathetic. It's okay for men to cry. It's not okay because maybe some men cry like girls. It's no men can cry too. And that's a masculine trait. And like all of these traits that, that we assign, like, well, that's not, that's not, that's not masculine. That's this. I'm like, maybe you're wrong. And, and so I just, I have such a problem with, you know, I, 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 I do have some tight lines around certain things as it, as it relates to men and women and that's fine. And other people don't, and that's fine. But as it relates to this idea, it's like, There are a lot of things that make up who we are. It's not just men are these five things and women are these five Mm. things. And if you cross that line, then that woman is way too manly. And that guy is way too woman. Like it's crazy.
0: Right. But even, even in the, you know, the, the, the crying is, is a great example Uh, because, you know, I want to be strong, right? I want to be strong. I want to be brave. I want to be courageous. Uh, What is stronger, braver or more courageous than the willingness to be vulnerable. Right. What what is stronger than that? Nothing. Okay. Because you're not, you're not strong behind armor, right? You're not strong sitting behind, you know, like it's, I I just had this conversation the other day It was phenomenal. Um, It's easy to have faith when everything's looking awesome. Mm if there is not adversity, can you actually call it faith, right? Like it's easy to have faith when there's $80,000 in the bank. It's real easy to have faith when there's 80,000. It's easy to project faith. It's easy to, you know, when there's 80 grand in the bank, faith comes easy, right? Um, What about, what about when, when, you know, when you're on a, when you're on a, 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 a string of strikeouts <laughs> that, you, that you can't that not only you cannot, you can't even see the beginning of because they've, they've stretched so far, but you don't know where it's going to end. Mm. Right. What happens? Like, is it. I I personally don't believe that it's faith unless there's unless there's adversity. And, and so and so in the, in the same in the same sort of model i i don't believe that you're strong unless there is a vulnerability about you i don't believe you you get to call yourself strong unless you're willing to be vulnerable i don't think you get to call yourself brave and strong and and all these things if you are not placing yourself in a position where
1: courage is required yeah it's so damn good gosh well and and for me again we you know we all have a different kind of fixation on or or idea of what this is but you know for me personally as i live my life my ideal uh vision of a man is jesus and here's a guy that wept multiple times, uh, that at the same time could conquer the entire world that uh, at one point was quoted as saying, my power is made perfect in your weakness. It's like we, you know, and so for me, it's like, we can be both, you know, we can, at times I was just, I was just sharing this with another friend. It's like, I believe this is not the result of ability. This is not the result of strength because there's a lot of women out there that could easily whoop my ass. But I deeply believe that men should be the first to lay their lives down when, when something happens. Like that's just, that's the way I was brought up. It's like, you go to the front line, you sacrifice yourself first like lay it out there. Like I I, I want to see that happen. I want to see men put themselves forward. So that's to me, the true definition of what it means to demonstrate strength, like the actual physical presence of strength. It's not buffness. It's like, I don't care what shape or size. That's the strength at the same time. I want to see men leading the charge and being brokenhearted and crying and curling up in a ball and not knowing what to do with themselves because as they look out into the world, it's so broken and they cannot figure out how to positively affect change. Like I want to see it all. And I feel like men need to do a better job of spanning across both sides of that instead of compartmentalizing themselves to just one thing or another. And again, it doesn't mean that we're all going to equally express all of those. Um, We're all going to look different, but good Lord, we've got to stop avoiding them. Well,
0: because for the vast majority of us, that that is the front line, Mm -hmm. right? Right. You know, what, what tiny percentage of us are soldiers, even, even more than, even more than that, what tiny percentages uh, are, 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 are these, are these high speed operators that, that, the you know that we like to pretend we are right the the you know because you know you know Navy SEALs and Army Rangers make up a tiny 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 percentage of of the the military which makes up a tiny percentage of the United States population which makes up a tiny percentage of the world so really if we're looking at soldiers who are willing to as you say you know lay your, lay lay it down. Right. In, in defense of what you believe, in defense of, of that, of that, what you hold dear. Like emotionally, you know, you know, relationships are the final frontier. Right. And so being willing to being willing to lay it down on the emotional level in front of other men. Right. In being willing to look uh, business, relationships, uh, uh, leadership, they're all a game of you go first. Right. I go first. Right. And so I'm going to lay it down first. I'm going to step forward because what what, if I want to protect something, if I want to hold it dear, then I must be willing to be vulnerable, like just like a soldier runs toward the enemy with a gun right and so if 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 i want to protect what i hold dear my relationships my friends my business my whatever i go first which means and and my my business is relationships i don't know about yours but but, <laughs> but my business is relationships right yep. when i was a chef my business was relationships right and and because if i had crap relationships with my with my sous chefs when i had crap relationships with my vendors when i had crap relationships with my with my my servers i I had I had terrible relationships with customers, which means I went out of business. My mm-hmm. business is relationships, and now as a coach, nothing's changed. My business is relationships, and so when I want to when I want to lay it down for what I hold dear, right? It looks like it looks like being emotionally vulnerable. It looks like saying I was wrong. It looks mm-hmm. like asking somebody else's opinion before I open my mouth. Simon Sinek says this, because if you really want to know the opinions of the people around you, ask all of them first and be the last one to speak. Because if you state your opinion and then go, this is what I think. And then you ask everybody in your business, what they think, they're going to echo your opinion. That's good. If you ask everybody in the room and be the last, look, you don't have to take all of their, their advice and you don't have to adopt all of their opinions but the minute you start with yours you poison the well. It's good. It's so
1: good. Okay. So I, there's so many things that I, that that I think I could I, I could go on and on about but I, I want to be time sensitive for those that are listening. But before I before I uh, I officially land there is this question now that is like burning inside of me and I have some assumptions but I don't know the answer to. Okay, so most people won't, most people would say, okay, Dave is like a man's man. And he, he, he's dropping all these fire bombs on like what it means to be a man and how we can do a better job, how we can cover all of our bases and relationships and in business and in leadership. And so when he, he says he's a coach. And so he must be out there coaching all these men on how to do this. And there's a secret or not so much of a secret. And it's the fact that Dave primarily coaches women. And so what the heck? I mean, like, it just, it seems, it, it, it seems like that, that just, that's what's wild to me. Like it, it's a, it, it's a, it's a great market. It's a great business to be in. I, I I get it, but it's like, here you are talking about serving this whole, this whole, um uh area of society and you're in the opposite one so so i gotta hear like what what drug you into that or pulled you into that uh and what are you doing there uh so i began
0: i began my coaching business um i was a men's coach Right. And I had all of these dreams. I mean, I stood on like I stood next to Kyle Cease on his stage with a microphone in my hand in front of a sold out audience. And went, I'm a men's coach, right, like like <laughs> and I talked about the, you know, the 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 retreats that I wanted to have and the men's dinners where we all come together and cook and 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 commune and talk about emotions and talk about what it means to be to be men and, and what it what it what it means to be all of this stuff. And I, I, I had moderate success. Right. And then I had I had, uh, I had a, a, a seven figure, like a seven figure earning CEO in New York give me a call one day and said, I know you're a men's coach. I want you to coach me. At, at which point I'm like, uh, this is what it costs. And she's like, yeah, cool. I'm good with that. I've heard everything you've said. I like the way you present. I like the way you talk. I like the ideas that, that you, um, I, I, I want you to coach me and I'm willing to pay for that. Like, cool. And then another one, and then another one, and then another one. My, 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 my most recent was, a the, the, a female COO of a $10 million uh, event rentals company. Like, and th- the truth is, you know, and so I start working with 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 women, and what and what are we talking about, right? We're talking about communication. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about <laughs> setting boundaries. We're talking about all all of these things because because, you know, they're they're the they're the 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 main breadwinners in their family, right? And they come home to a guy who feels displaced mm. to a guy who feels set aside, who feels unloved, who feels worthless, who feels like like he's not. He's not showing up and, and and they want to know what they can do to to either help him or call somebody in who who feel who who can who can have their woman out earn them by a factor of five and not feel diminished as a human. And so okay. I, I work mostly with with women. And the, the, the truth is and. Uh, I am a men's coach and brother, whether I coach you or whether I coach your woman, you will rise because if you don't, she will and she will leave you in the dust. And and a, a brilliant woman who is evolving and who loves you will call you forward and you will either answer that call Or you will retreat, you will contract, you will crawl back into your old, broken belief systems, and you will stay there until you can find somebody who you can abuse, who you can uh, feel like you lord over them, who you feel like you are better than. And so I, I coach women and all of their husbands and all of their partners and all of the men that they call into their lives. Are amazing. Mm. Because I set a pretty high bar. So good. So right? You want you want men to rise, set a really high bar for how women are to be treated And, and not your partner, right? This is how I treat my partner, and all of the women can kind of suck it. No. I set a really high bar for how women should feel in the presence of a man. And once again, back to the beginning of the conversation,
1: you are safe here. Good. It's good, man. I mean, you, 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 ex- I had some assumptions, some of what you said I expected and you just blew it away. You just absolutely exceeded my expectation. And, and I feel like for every man listening, I, I feel like, you need to hear what Dave just said, right? Uh, you, you you have an obligation, uh, and if you don't step up step up to it, some other man is going to is going to pull your woman up to the place where she recognizes that you're not doing it. and And I think that that's so important. And then for all the ladies out there listening, if you just got all excited about what Dave just said, you should just talk to him because clearly he's doing it. And and I think it's so important that, I mean, this is all, all part of it, right? We have an opportunity to live as the best version of the person that we've been created to live as. And I love that there's people, Dave, like you out there that are bringing people up to the place that they should be. It's just, it's phenomenal. So
0: that partnership is so is so incredible. And and, and I'm sure with your own partner, I, certainly you can see it with, with Amy and I both of us continue just to level up. And every time one of us levels up, we just call them, we, we, we call each other. Up. And so we're not even like, like rising and then calling to each other to, to, to meet us, you know, you'll rise and then all right, you know, and and then we continue to call each other to evolve. Right. So, and that's what, a, that's what a relationship looks like. Like that's what a, a, like a dynamic relationship looks like, mm-hmm. you know, if we're, if we're kind of both settled into where we are, that that's great. But, but that means we're not, we're not growing. We're not, you can only coast downhill, right? Like, (laughs) you know, and if you want to, if you want to grow and, and men, the, the best thing that I can wish upon you is the evolution of your partner, right? And women, the, the best thing that I can wish for you is the desire to evolve. If you have problems with your man, right? If 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 you're you're not happy, you're not happy with the way he's showing up in the world, evolve. And he will either rise to meet you or he will or he will slink away. And when he chooses, one or the other, believe
1: that that's who he is. Mm. Oh, it's good. All right. I'm leaving it on that. that That was a really, really good mic drop to finish that conversation. So guys, I mean, listening today, if if what you heard resonated, you have an opportunity, you really have a responsibility, men and women both, to do something about it. And so you can absolutely reach out to Dave. make sure to put his contact information into the show notes. We will do that. Um, you know where to find me if that's what you want to do. But Dave, again, thank you so much. You have to go now give Amy a big hug and a kiss uh, for me and tell her thank you so much for the introduction. I mean, you've you, you've lifted me up a whole lot and encouraged me uh, in, in many different ways today. So thank you, man, so much. I just, I really appreciate you. I love what you're doing. And now that I know a little bit more, now I can't wait to further get connected and just to deepen our relationship too. So thank you. I would absolutely love that. And thank you so much. Awesome. Well, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, I'm just going to finish with be you, be happy, be authentic. Take care. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversation.